Welcome to the Video Insiders Podcast. I'm Carlos Pacheco. And I'm Tom Martin. And we're two really, really old people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is the, we're just collecting our pension and working on YouTube. Yeah, and we're, you know, we're the geriatric team behind YouTube channels, and uh, we've been managing YouTube channels for longer than many of you have been uh, on YouTube. We've been doing it for a bunch of TV networks, media companies, producers, creators. So we have quite a few views under our belt and have managed hundreds, if not thousands of channels between us at this point. Tom, how is it going? Yeah, no, pretty pretty positive despite some uh you know world craziness youtube work seems to tick along keeping busy um having a bit more time to watch a bit more youtube than i normally would so um (laughs) every cloud has a silver lining but um yeah working on some uh with some cool new clients pitching for some cool new projects it's all a very uh very very busy at the moment and yourself? Yeah, it's 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 busy. There's uh, you know, there's a little bit of like, you know, uh, lingering clients that have sort of like, you know, fallen off the radar for the time being, but I think they're just trying to get themselves reorganized. But uh, it's been interesting to see, you know, for me, it's actually I've consumed less YouTube in the last little while just cuz you know, there's just a lot of news out there and I kind of want to tune out for a bit. And uh, it's been more catching up on series on the old Amazon Prime or uh, Netflix or whatever. And I think the other night my wife wanted to watch first, you know, for some reason she wanted to watch Contagion. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, really? (laughs) And uh, I'll be honest with you, it depressed the shit out of me, (laughs) pardon my French. So anyways, now not to get back onto that subject, but anyways, we just, uh, that's been uh, my world for the past little while. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting you say that because as we record today, um, there was an article that went out saying that YouTube and Netflix had uh, reduced their kind of defaults on quality and stuff uh, i'm not surprised i'm, I'm currently watching uh, ozark i'm a bit late to the party but mm. absolutely such a good show such a good show and i'm i'm, I'm getting drip fed better call saw over here on netflix so uh enjoying that it's one of the few shows that you have to wait for every week which i think mm-hmm. is kind of like retro now <laughs> pretty nice <laughs> It's pretty so nice funny, experience. Yeah, I'm I'm going I'm going through the same issues with currently watching Star Trek Picard, getting it every week, and it's sort of like it's annoying and at the same time refreshing. Yeah, it seems such a quaint experience now, which just shows just how far we've come in our view experiences in such a short space of time. It's uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. So obviously I'm going to apologize because me and the wife are both working at home and she's going into calls (laughs) and we're in a very small space. So we're hearing her in the background right now. And she's the big, she's the big boss of the household. Yeah, exactly. Let's just hope she doesn't talk about anything super uh, secret, uh, (laughs) you know, while we're we're recording right now. So I'm just hoping that stuff. Anyways, uh, we won't drag things on too much. I wanted to send out a big thank you to... TubeBuddy for sponsoring the show. TubeBuddy is the ultimate tool for creators to streamline their daily workflow on YouTube, allowing for more time to make great content. For brands to help reduce busy work and focus on what matters, growing your business on YouTube. For agencies to help 
manage multiple client channels, and for networks to give partners the tools for success and an attractive incentive for recruitment. Tom, do we have a special offer for our audience? We do indeed. You can get a exclusive Video Insiders discount uh, on a multiple channel license, which is super valuable by visiting videoinsiders.fm forward slash TubeBuddy. Thank you, TubeBuddy. Thank you, TubeBuddy. Tom, who's on the show this week? Yeah, this is actually our first attempt at a three-handed interview show. So this is really interesting. And uh, from memory, actually, we gave this very, very uh, highly decorated person, a super intro in person. So I actually don't think we need to hang around too much now, especially as um, your wife's about to reveal all of our corporate secrets. I think we should cut straight to the interview and then we'll be back on the other side to wrap up the conversation. But I've actually learned to mute the, the mic while, <laughs> while you're talking so we don't hear things in the background. Yes, uh, we won't lally gag too long, but I like how you described our three, I would have called it something else, our three team recording. So obviously let's get to it with James Creech. So uh, on a lot of podcasts you'll, or interview shows, you, you'll say, oh, you know, this person needs no introduction. And in this case, I actually think it's true because if you're listening to this podcast, you have something to do with the YouTube industry or the industry side of YouTube. And if you're in the industry side of YouTube, you know James Creech because in my book, James Creech is Mr. YouTube industry i think of any conference james is there everyone knows james james knows everyone everyone loves james one of the friendliest loveliest guys in the industry super knowledgeable uh host of the all things video podcast which i've been listening to since maybe the start and if not the start close by um but just in case you've been living under a rock james please Say hello to our lovely audience of fellow industry insiders and tell us a little bit about your journey and your career and how you got to where you are now with uh, Paladin Software. Well, first of all, uh, thank you, Tom. That's the, the best and kindest introduction I've ever received. I think I'm just going to, well, let's just wrap up the interview right here. Yeah, yeah. He's, fishing, he's fishing for a free license. <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah, it's all, exactly. It's, it's all down here from here, James. This is where, <laughs> if, you've, if you've ever seen like Frost Nixon, this is where it kicks in now. That's right. But yeah, again, thank you for the introduction. Uh, I've been an admirer of uh, your guys' show for a long time, so it's a dream to get to chat with you both. Uh, as way of background, I started my career in ad tech, working for a digital media startup here in LA called Channel Factory. And we were doing you know, video advertising on YouTube really before that was a concept, right? Before TrueView existed, uh, trying to make videos go viral and promote content on YouTube. After two and a half years at Channel Factory, building it from you know, five people in the founder's apartment to, uh, you know, eight figure revenue business, opening offices in New York and Chicago. Uh, I moved on and went and worked at an influencer network or an MCN called Bent Pixels, which was started out of Vegas, uh, but, uh, you know, wanted to expand into Los Angeles. I helped open that office, uh, work with talent, work with advertisers, help grow the careers of these digital influencers. And at the time, you know, we were building a lot of tools internally, really out of necessity, right, to make our jobs easier, because uh, we were managing so many talent and growing quickly. 
and I, you know, kind of looked around and, and all of our competitors were doing the same thing. And I, so I started asking my friends in the industry, well, how are you tackling this problem or how do you solve for that? And they said, uh, similar idea, either we do it very manually or, you know, we're building some internal solution. And that's when it hit me, you know, this is, this is the real opportunity. This is um, something I'm passionate about and, and is a much bigger play. And so I teamed up with two partners, uh, our co-founder and COO, uh, Thomas Kramer, and then our CTO, Ula Morton. And uh, we launched Paladin uh, about four years ago at this point. And we build influencer marketing software for agencies and media companies all over the world. We have customers now in over 35 countries across six continents. So it's been uh, a fun journey and, and fun growth story uh, over the past few years. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I've been sort of like a big fan of your work uh, over the years and sort of been following both from your Ben Pixel days to uh, your new, your Paladin days, you know, for us working as channel managers and all that stuff, we sort of understand me and Tom sort of know what Paladin is, but tell us what Paladin is and how it's different from the competition. Sure. So Paladin is the leading influencer marketing suite for agencies and media companies, right? So we streamline everything from influencer discovery and talent management to royalty accounting, payments and campaign reporting across YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch. More platforms coming soon, but those are the kind of core five that we focus on today. And you know, over the last, call it 18 to 24 months, influencer marketing has certainly gotten a lot more competitive. And there are a number of good solutions out there, but it's, uh, you know, it's a bit of a crowded space. So it is helpful to understand how we differentiate. Um, and there's, there's really kind of five key ways that I've identified how we're different. The first is business model, right? Everything that we do is software as a service. So you pay a license fee, you get access to our, our suite of products. Uh, we're not a marketplace, right? We're not doing matchmaking between brands and influencers. Uh, we're not an agency. So there are some, you know, very good service companies out there that run campaigns or maybe have built some tools, but also will help you, you know, run an influencer activation soup to nuts. That's not our business and never will be. Uh, the other aspect is data privacy. So we offer all of our customers a dedicated private environment for their data, not just creating a shared database and dumping everyone in there, especially when you're working with agencies, having that private white labeled environment is really essential for them to protect this big asset that they've worked so hard to build up over the years, these relationships and this trusted uh, database of influencers. So data privacy is number two. Uh, the third is our value chain focus, right? We are very much uh, focused on the supply side of the ecosystem, meaning companies that work directly with talent. So it's influencer agencies, it's influencer networks or MCNs, talent management companies. Uh, you know, there are certainly good competitors out there that are catering to the demand side, working with brands and media agencies. But that's not our business. Um, one, because we don't want there to be a conflict of interest with our customers. And two, uh, just because the use cases are different, right? What, some, what a brand needs out of an influencer marketing suite is very different than what an agency needs in order to manage its creators and present that data to brands. Uh, fourth is platform support. So, you know, we started off uh, being a, a multi-platform solution and, and not just thinking about, say, Instagram or not just focusing on YouTube, but really offering uh, a, a comprehensive solution across YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. And then perspective. You know, the last piece is that we've always viewed influencer marketing, digital media as a global phenomenon. And we've built a global vision and footprint, not just focusing on, you know, the US, the domestic market, um, but we have, you know, 
quite a bit of customers in Europe. We have quite a bit of customers in Southeast Asia and the Middle East and a lot of these other emerging markets in Latin America. And so uh, having that global uh, vision and, and perspective has been essential to uh, how we stand out from the competition. I'd like to go on to talk to, uh, about the wider video industry in a minute, but in terms of the kind of the this is a, a quite a broad question, but I'd, I'd be, it'd be good to get even just like kind of a soundbite from you. And what what is the kind of current state of the kind of general influencer marketing space? Is it is it one in like burgeoning growth? Is it kind of matured now? Is it kind of stable? Uh, are the glory days gone? What are your kind of rough rough ideas around that? Yeah, well, it's it's massive, right? And it's still seeing explosive growth. And I think those of us who are so close to it, right, working in the day to day, we remember the early days when no one knew what what is what should an in- influencer charge for a post, or how do you run a campaign and handle reporting? Uh, you know, we certainly evolved significantly since then, so it, it is uh, maturing. I wouldn't say it's mature uh, yet because you think of some of these, you know, traditional formats, right? Television is almost 100 years old. You think about, uh, you know, radio and some of these these analog formats. What we have in digital is still so new and and so burgeoning that it's growing really rapidly. And there's still a long time horizon on uh, the growth trajectory of these, you know, these new businesses and these new models. Uh, and then you think about influencer relative to some of some other digital trends, right? Like social media at large or uh, you know, mobile advertising, mobile display advertising. Um, it's certainly gone from, you know, you work with a, a media buyer and there isn't really a clear idea of who owns this or where the budgets come from for influencer uh, to now there are established influencer programs at brands, right? They're looking at longer term ambassador models. There are clear allocated spends for influencer marketing and it's being demonstrated that it works, right? Not, not only is it a good way to reach an audience, uh, but it's a great way to engage them. There's a lot higher ROI in response from influencer marketing than uh, you know some some legacy forms of media. Yeah, it makes real sense to me because I'm working more and more with you know quote unquote brands and you know less kind of just creators. And often when I look at you know what the end goal is to sell their services or products and how far they are away from where they need to be to kind of grow an organic following. Often my advice to them is, you know, they come to me helping, they want help to grow their existing YouTube channel or to launch a YouTube channel. Often when I look at look at what they're doing in the cold light of day, often my answer is, well, either do just paid ads or use that budget and give it to influencers in your space who have already got the audience, already got the influence, already got the trust. And you're going to see a much better return on that investment and much faster than you know, taking five years to grow a half-assed YouTube channel. So, yeah, I can definitely see the value of influencer marketing. But I still think there's a little bit of a, I don't know, maybe a bit of a stigma around it, around, you know, tracking ROI and, you know, being able to track the success of a campaign or not. But I'm assuming tools like yours and the, a lot of the partners that you, you work with probably have, like, solved that problem or are getting close to solving that. Yeah, that's the idea, right? Most of the time when we come in and talk to a new customer, they are, you know, doing a very manual approach to reporting where it's screenshots, you know, it's building a a deck uh, and putting together examples of the posts and and some of the key metrics around performance. But what brands and their agency partners are are looking for as as we progress is 
a greater depth of data and uh, true analysis of the content performance so we can measure results, right? And that comes from truly understanding the audience, right? Real-time data about uh, audience demographics, so the age and gender splits, the location of where these viewers are coming from, uh, understanding in not just impressions and reach and viewership at the top of the funnel, but, you know, really more engagement-driven metrics, uh, you know, the, the click-through activity, in some cases, purchase, right, or, or intent to uh, buy a product after you know, engaging with an influencer post. So we're trying to provide a more comprehensive, real-time, holistic reporting solution. One of the, the points that I think you mentioned, and I think you sort of like, uh, you touched it a, bit, a little bit, and this is, it reminds me of a, well, it doesn't remind me, actually, it throws back to a uh, chat I just had with, uh, do you know Brendan Gaughan? Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, Brendan's right? an old friend. Yeah, exactly. So I just talked to him this week, and uh, FYI, if the episodes might be one before the other, I don't know, but like we just had the same conversation where, you know, the evolution of influencer marketing, you know, is where brands are starting to learn to build relationships as opposed to just coming in and, you know, asking for a campaign and disappearing. And I think you sort of mentioned something in that in that vein where you guys are sort of trying to find a way to or building that, that dashboard that lets the brand have a, a, a continuous relationship with the creator. Yeah. Ultimately, every brand's objectives are different, but I think we're seeing more success from a true partnership model rather than, you know, the transactional approach that uh, may have been popular a few years ago, right? We, we saw all these marketplaces popping up and this isn't a knock against marketplaces. They, they just fundamentally serve a different need. Many of them were focused on, well, how do you activate micro influencers at scale? And maybe that helps you snag, uh, makes a lot of noise, right? You can snag like these vanity metrics of great viewership and engagement. And, you know, you've, you've reached a lot of eyeballs, but if you are really trying to move the needle, uh, then I think we've seen time and time again that these larger activations with true influencers, right, that wield influence among their audience, uh, there's, you know, there's no replacement for that. So going a, a kind of a step broader than influencer marketing, you know, as I said at the start, you're kind of, to me, Mr. Industry, your podcast, you spoke to so many people from so many different parts of the industry. You attend all of the events, you know, you've obviously got your finger on the pulse. I'd be really interested to see an outsider's perspective, or at least an outside from me and Carlos, is what have you really seen change in the last month across the video industry in, in general? And what do you think is kind of coming in the next six to 12 months that is really going to be the big, the big shift? Yeah. Well, I feel fortunate to have the chance to work with uh, companies all over the world and have some some insight into this. And I started you know, the podcast, All Things Video, really as a passion project because I was having a chance to meet all these great entrepreneurs and innovators in the digital media space and just, you know, kind of selfishly curious to learn about uh, their their success and, and the lessons learned along the way. And then also wanting to give back and share those stories with a bigger audience. So uh, it's been such a fun initiative and a great way to to learn so quickly about many different aspects of digital media. But in terms of you know the, the shifts that we've seen, say over the last twelve months, uh, you know I don't think I'm going to surprise anyone here, but um, obviously Instagram has become the predominant platform for in- influencer marketing. Uh, one just because of the ease of creation and the uh, natural tie-ins to things like commerce, uh, you know, and also the fact that it's maintained this uh, level 
of the, the cool factor, right, among youth, but also uh, doing a good job of letting brands engage and publishers and media companies play in the ecosystem. Uh, it's just built a really successful foundation for influencer marketing to, to occur. Uh, you know, I think the other thing that we're witnessing is more influencers creating products and driving commerce. And, you know, the, the traditional examples of this way back when would have been something like Michelle Fawn and Ipsy, right? These creator-driven businesses. Uh, but now we're seeing even more examples of that. And not just, you know, merchandise solutions where every influencer has a store and a t-shirt, but uh, actually seeing influencers build businesses and creating their own product lines. Uh, you know, Jeffree Star um, Cosmetics and, uh, you know, some of the things that, that obviously, like Kylie has done um, are just other great examples of, of the power of the influence marketing in this space. And I think we're, we're going to continue to witness more um, influencer-driven projects and companies. And then the last thing is a bit, you know, outside the influencer space specifically, but we're seeing an enormous rise in digital publishers. And so the internet has removed barriers and created more ways uh, to produce, distribute, and monetize content. And the first iteration of that was, uh, you know, web-based, almost blog-style publishers that, you know, you think of like a Refinery29 or kind of what Condé Nast and Hearst have done to lean in from a traditional print publication into, you know, shifting that online. And then there was this kind of 2.0 model where it's like, okay, well, now we can do video, we can do rich media. Uh, and then with the growth of social, now we've seen companies built entirely on the backs of that that said, well you know, we're not going to leverage influencers, we're going to be that influential voice, we're going to build a publisher strategy around an audience on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, uh, TikTok, even. And so, you know, whether it's Donut Media, Toonstar, Cheddar, uh, the Young Turks, right, all of these businesses being built uh, through social media, uh, the rise of digital publishers over the last 12 to 24 months has been pretty astounding. Yeah, it's been definitely a trend of publishers sort of adopting a little bit of the influencer ecosystem or even influencer tactics to grow audiences. You touched on the point of Instagram becoming very popular. Do you consider that still the one to watch? And is there, you know, out of all the platforms we're talking about these days, today is like everybody's freaking out over Twitter announcing its version of stories. Like, which one's the one to watch? Which one's on the way out? Like any insights on that that you can give to our audience? Sure. You know, from a B2C standpoint, Instagram, I continue to foresee it being dominant. Um, if you're an influencer, you have to be on Instagram today. That's just a great platform for discovery. It's a great way to do branded content. Uh, so yeah, you know, keep an eye on it, certainly. But in terms of where the growth is coming from, again, no surprise, it's, it's TikTok. And I was in a bit of a wait and see mode, I may have I've even been an early TikTok naysayer just because, you know, musically had stagnated when ByteDance ended up acquiring it and then merging it with, uh, with TikTok, a very similar, you know, user experience in terms of a mobile app. Uh, I was hesitant initially because, uh, you know, there was just, there's so much ad spend behind it that was propping up the activity that was really hard to know, you know, what's organic interest from influencers versus what is, uh, promoted content that's that's driving activity on the app. Now I think it's pretty clear that TikTok is here to stay. Uh, it's a great new platform for influencers to feel like they have control over the content. They're having fun on the platform, which is cool to see. 
Um, it's also, you know, allowing new influencers to build an audience and get discovered. And then you see them, you know, migrating over and also building audience on YouTube and Instagram. Uh, so definitely keep an eye on, on TikTok. From a B2B standpoint, you know, the number one to watch is LinkedIn. Uh, I think Pinterest is also pretty interesting uh, in terms of what it's doing with, with video content. So I'd keep an eye on those. You know, the one that I think I've been a little bit more bearish on is probably Twitter. And Twitter still, you know, has a place in the world and serves a purpose if you're in live sports and journalism and, you know, uh, politics and a few other kind of sectors. But most Americans and certainly the rest of the world, Twitter is is not their go-to destination for content or their, their social media platform of choice. Uh, I think, you know, Donald Trump has been probably the, the single greatest uh, lifesaver of Twitter in the, in the past you know, four years. Uh, and we'll see, you know, if it can continue to go the distance. I don't, I don't think anyone needs stories on Twitter, much like I don't think we needed them on Skype or uh, many of the other platforms that have followed suit and just kind of copying that feature set because it's clearly working. Uh, but you know, it's a, it's a way for Twitter to kind of try to stay relevant and remain in the cultural conversation. Yeah. We do have, uh, LinkedIn stories now. So, and a, a related question to that, James is what about, um, direct monetization on some of those platforms? So you, you, you ref, you've spoken about like how influencers can use commerce and how they can do brand deals and stuff like that. But, you know, for many, I'd say at least two years now, it's, we've always been just a few months away from like, um, some kind of creator program on Instagram where you can directly monetize video and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. I think, I think TikTok's probably not too far away. I think Byte have recently announced that they've got a few hundred thousand dollars to give away to their first few hundred net, like featured creators, something like that. Have you heard anything on the grapevine that you may or may not be able to share with us? You know, I'd say don't hold your breath, right? <laughs> People are always optimistically hoping for that. And YouTube is really the only reliable platform today where you have a chance to do essentially passive monetization, have, have an ad program built in that, that as long as you meet the criteria, you know, you can take advantage of. You know, the second closest behind that is Facebook. And we've been waiting for years, right, for Facebook monetization to kick in. And it's really only for top creators and publishers. We're seeing more creators uh, kind of being onboarded into the program now. You know, Instagram is probably the likely next successor to that just because of the built-in advertising reach and scale that Facebook can bring to bear and Instagram. You know, TikTok, I would be much more skeptical that it's coming in a meaningful way for the majority of creators anytime soon. I could certainly see a program similar to, you know, YouTube preferred where, um, where top talent on the TikTok platform are going to get deals and can take advantage of it. But if you're an average TikTok creator, don't expect to see monetization headed your way anytime in the near future. So, you know, that's probably my predictions. Um, aside from traditional advertising revenue, there are some other approaches like commerce or like direct to fan monetization. Of course, every creator can you know, start up a Patreon account but I think what Twitch has done, you know, they certainly have ads in the platform, but uh, most most streamers are making their money direct from their audience. And it skews to be a bit of, of an older audience, a bit more disposable income. But Twitch has done a really compelling job of building a direct monetization link between a broadcaster and their audience in a, in a really powerful way. And I would be curious to see if other platforms will follow suit and look at alternatives to monetization that aren't solely ad dependent. Yeah, speaking of... Um making money from creators i've I'm, i've always been super fascinated by the world of 
MCNs. And when I, again, when I think of MCNs, if I ever had a question about an MCN, you'd be the person I'd go to James. Cause you know, you've, you've, you've spoken to so many people. You've interviewed people on the podcast from full screen, X maker, you name it. You, you've spoken to them. You know, you've had the tech uh, experience from bent pixels and paladin. There, there are some MCNs that are still holding on. What's the, what is the state of the, of the MCN world from the inside? Like, are they still existing? Are they healthy? Are they, are they all pivoting to become talent agencies? What are you seeing around that world? And like, do you predict that even the, the kind of last few strongholds will still be there in say 12 months time? Yeah, it's a good question. And, uh, you know, I'll give you a bit of probably an abbreviated answer. There's probably a lengthy conversation we could have about this at some point. And I've actually written quite a lengthy uh, kind of history of MCNs and and the evolution that I think they've gone through. I've yet to publish it, but maybe one of these days I'll I'll put it up on LinkedIn or something. But, uh, you know, the the original impetus for the multi-channel network, the MCN model, grew out of YouTube. It grew out of the fact that in the early days, YouTube was growing so quickly and didn't have a way to provide customer service and direct monetization for all partners. And so they, you know, granted permission to these multi-channel networks to administer that on their behalf, right? And so uh, you had these companies pop up that started to sign talent, you know, in the thousands in the, and in the tens of thousands, and they were scaling quickly, uh, essentially a bit of a kind of an ad network model in the 1.0 days. And after that land grab phase, you know, shifted to, okay, is there, are there other models where we can work with at least the top talent to help them build a long-term business, right? Do 360 talent management, think about merchandise, think about content licensing deals, think about, you know, migrating to other platforms, whether that's in digital or maybe it's, you know, uh, also kind of bridging the gap and moving more into traditional launching a TV series, things like that. Um, Over time, YouTube has changed its policies and changed the way that it uh, interacts with MCNs. And uh, part of that is, you know, being much more restrictive in the number of new content owners that they grant and the number of YouTube certified companies or MCNs that, that, that they allow to exist. So they've certainly become, uh, you know, it's much more difficult to get approved for that than it was in the past. The other aspect is, I think they witnessed a lot of MCNs, particularly the large scaled American ones, gaining too much power, right? In the days of Maker and Fullscreen and Machinima, uh, you had this idea that you know, MCNs would push back pretty aggressively when YouTube uh, made changes. And I think there was a sentiment within YouTube that, that wanted that to change. And meanwhile, all the other social platforms, Facebook and Twitter, had a chance to observe what was happening in the MCN ecosystem. And m- most of them have elected not to go down a similar path and offer a program like what YouTube has done. Uh, and so the MCNs have changed their business over time, uh, shifted more towards premium ad sales, shifted to providing services to talent, uh, typically in the, in the way of audience growth and digital rights management, uh, brand deals and sponsorships. And so if you, if you think about what does the model look like today, most of what we think of the traditional MCNs have evolved into either talent management groups, right, where they are uh, providing these services to influencers. And often there's an agency component where they're out uh, running influencer marketing campaigns on the talent's behalf. And then the other half are kind of studios or publishers creating next generation content for digital platforms. 
that that kind of feels like what most of those businesses have have become. Yep, that's that's feels like a lot of conversations we've had in the past in terms of how we see this uh, space has evolved over the last uh, two to three years. Now, let's talk about what you're doing. Tell us about Measure Studios. What is it? Yeah, so um, we've built an entirely new product. We've spent a lot of time over the past 12 months really you know, understanding what other changes are happening in the digital media ecosystem, spending a lot of time with other types of companies. So in addition to our core customer segment of influencer agencies, talent networks, talent management companies, we wanted to understand you know, what is this trend with digital publishers? What are traditional broadcasters and studios doing on social? And that led us to asking a lot of questions and tinkering with this idea of you know, there need to be better analytics and business intelligence solutions for these types of companies, right? We got a lot of encouragement as well from our, our platform partners, specifically YouTube and Facebook saying, you know, there aren't really good tools out there for you know, these segments today. And what started as an experiment and, you know, these conversations uh, kind of developed into an MVP and developed into, you know, okay, there's, there's a real product opportunity. And so uh, we recently launched Measure Studio, which is an analytics tool that covers YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram today. And we're rolling out Snapchat and Twitter support in Q2 of this year. And the whole impetus behind it was if you're a small publisher, you're probably pretty reliant on native platform analytics, which you know does a pretty good job on YouTube. You, you can get pretty far, but is admittedly weaker on Facebook and also Instagram in particular. And so we wanted to address some of those challenges. We wanted to bring everything into a single interface where you have multi-platform data analysis capabilities where you can, you know, benchmark content and understand what's working well, what's resonating with my audience. And, you know, let's do more of that content versus what's maybe not performing so well. How do we improve it? Uh, Maybe we kill this series because it's clearly not working. Let's focus our energies over here. So there's a a big emphasis on on just understanding uh, the content performance. The other pieces that I think are kind of unique and cool about what we're doing, uh, we're doing hourly data tracking for all posts for the first 72 hours, which is really that critical period when you first upload something to make sure it, it performs, right? Is it ranking in search? Is it helping us boost organic discovery of this content? And we had heard from Group 9 and, and others that uh, they had people manually tracking that in spreadsheets, right? Going into backend analytics uh, every hour and manually pulling that down so they could analyze uh, the results and try and understand the algorithms. So we're doing that. Uh, we have full access to the Instagram graph API. So we're storing Instagram stories forever. Even after they expire from the account, we'll save the content and allow you to play it back. We also track all of the metrics around Instagram stories from uh, impressions and reach to all the types of engagements, so taps, uh, forward and back, and uh, you know all the, the likes and other activity around an, uh, a story. And then we allow you to group content, slice and dice it, and better analyze things in a comparative way. And the example I like to give is, you know, if you post a piece of content on a platform like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, you can see how it performs on a fixed time horizon. But if you post two pieces of content on different dates, there's no true way to get a good apples to apples comparison, right? If you, if you post uh, something on the first, and then you post another piece of content on the fourth of the month, then the only way you can look at that on an analytics scale is, you know, how do we do from, say, the first to the seventh? There's no easy way in native platform analytics to say, how did each of our pieces of content do in, say, the first week or do in the first 30 days? And with Measure Studio, you can now answer those questions and say, 
You know, what is getting the most engagement across all of our content? What's making us the most money? Uh, what's getting the most viewership? And how do we continue to make great content like this that's going to drive, you know, more views, more audience, and more revenue for, for us as a business? Yeah, one one really interesting thing that um, one of our, our recent guests um, said that the, the the problem with analytics is that you're they're only as useful as the person that's kind of reading them and you know you have to be able to i think his his quote was you have to know how to read the tea leaves which i thought was really cool does um measure studio currently or in the future have plans to actually give like pull out insights and give actionable advice rather than just saying here is a tool f- from which you can draw your own inferences will it actually say to someone like do more of this x y and z because of this kind of thing absolutely that's where we're going right with uh great improvements in technology like machine learning we can push proactive recommendations to users based on you know what we observe in the data so that's all what we're we're building towards in the product today data nerds and uh you know, people who are deep in the weeds of, of these platform analytics are really going to find a lot of value in it because they know how to interpret the signals. But uh, even if you are, you know, a lay uh, user who maybe isn't as educated about data, we wanted to make the tool very accessible. So there are visual indicators of performance, right? If a post is doing above average, we outline it in green. If something's below average, it's outlined in red. You can drill down into that and every every metric has a visual indicator to say, hey, you know, impressions are... 1.6 times higher than average for this post type. And then you can drill in and see, okay, what might be driving that? So you still need to draw your own inferences from uh, you know, the, the creative itself, or maybe it was something about the thumbnail or the metadata that helped this perform very well. But uh, it at least lets you start asking the right questions and tweaking your content production or your programming strategy based on what the data suggests. I've just had a, a really good idea for a feature. So um... I'm going to say I'm, I'm going to say it here publicly, just in case you release it in the future, I can take full credit for it. Uh, or it might already exist. It might already exist. But I was having a uh, conversation with a client today, and they were basically saying, like, at what period of time do you know whether you've got a, a hit or not? And I said, you know, well, once you've run the channel for long enough and you've you've got a groove, you'll know pretty much within the first few hours whether you've got a hit or whether it's average or whether it's a flop or, you know, you'll know what your kind of benchmarks are. But what about a feature whereby after, say, a few hours even, if you're tracking hourly, you could have like an email alert or a push notification that said, hey, Tom, your video that you published three hours ago sucks because it's getting 30% less views than normal. You know, you might want to go and try and change the title or the thumbnail or something like that. Yeah, that's a great idea. And there there can be situational factors about, you know, maybe you just release this at the wrong time of day, yeah, or, true. you know, maybe the thumbnail just didn't catch people's attention. And, you know, you, you don't want the content to be penalized as a result. And we, I think we've even seen from uh, what some, some, a lot of folks have done research into the algorithms and theorized that not just does a post impact that single post performance, but it can have a bleed over effect into subsequent content that you're just not going to get, you know, uh, you're not going to appear in recommended content or in, in uh, discovery features as frequently if your past content doesn't perform well. So it is critical to really understand how that works and to dial it in appropriately. And you're right, maybe you kill content early on that's not working, and you re-upload it and you try a different tactic, 
you know, we certainly want to be able to encourage people to do that and measure the results with a tool like Measure Studio. Cool. Yeah, uh, I've, I've, I've been lucky enough to have um, an early demo um, from you, James, and also a, 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 a brand new demo just a couple of weeks ago at VidCon uh, London. That was uh, really cool to see. It's such a beautiful tool. And um, what I think is amazing about it, and this is a James has not paid me to say this, although I will, ex- I do accept, <laughs> yeah. I do, I do accept bribes. It's a really f- affordable solution. You know, there are a lot of um, dashboards and tools that are kind of enterprise level only, or you know, only enterprises could afford them. But I think this is accessible to the the prosumer, the the kind of serious um hobbyist even and um you know i really think it's going to help a lot of creators to be a bit more analytical without having to you know be a nerd like me and carlos and enjoy exporting things to csvs and getting extra nerdy um so yeah i i can't i can't speak highly of it, highly of it enough so yeah kudos to you james and the team well thank you yeah i um, really appreciate that and that was a big goal was to make something accessible uh, for individual creators where they can come in and you know get powerful analytics and make decisions on it. Right? We've been testing it with a few creators, one of which was a musician. And he said, you know, I didn't realize that my behind the scenes and backstage performance content did so well. I'm, I'm certainly going to start doing more of it because that's clearly what my fans want. And he also you know ended up sharing with us that you know, he posts a lot of Instagram stories, as many people do. And, and he, he said, I didn't realize that uh, after I post 10 stories in a sequence, people just start tuning out, right? They drop off significantly. And so it was helpful to have real data to point to from Measure Studio to say, you know, now I know if I'm, if I'm doing a, a concert or I'm doing like a, a snap, you know, a, a series of stories on my Instagram, I'm going to limit it to about 10 posts because that's what holds people, people's attention. So we can answer those questions for an individual creator, but we've also built this scalable, flexible pricing model that also works for small to medium businesses all the way up to the biggest publishers in the world, like Group 9, who are using it to understand, you know, how is Jash content doing? How is PopSugar content and, uh, you know, all their other brands? How are we performing and how do we move the needle to continue to grow our audience on these platforms? And so, you know, you've got your kind of core product. You've got Measure Studio, which is like your your baby. I know that people like you, James, you're never going to kind of be comfortable uh, <laughs> just you know, releasing some great stuff. There's always <laughs> going to be another. You must have a shoebox full of ideas somewhere, like me and Carlos do that you don't have time to get around to. Do you think there's another another product uh, coming from Paladin or in, in the pipeline in the next few years? Yeah, we're constantly experimenting. That's one of the things that our our engineering team loves to do is you know brainstorm new new products, and sometimes we'll build like an MVP, and you know some some things work out, and you know we really believe in them, and the market validates that there's a need, and you know we've built tools in the past that uh, just you know weren't quite as successful as as uh, we thought they could be, and and you know that's why you stress test an idea, and so we've we've certainly deprecated products or cut short uh, some of the research and development initiatives that we do, but constantly tinkering, constantly looking for feedback and asking people, you know, what are you struggling with today? What are the other tools that you use or what are the manual processes that you're just sick of doing and how can we help make your life easier and give you that time back? So um, always focused on that. Uh, For the short term, you know, lots of continued uh, growth for us on the core Paladin suite. Uh, We're making a lot of improvements, including adding TikTok support, which is coming very soon. People have been uh, dying to have that included in the tool. So that's that's in the works. 
Uh, we've also you know, released a lot of improvements to our campaign management and, and reporting tools, uh, including content approval workflows, just making it easier to review a post for an influencer before it goes live. And then lots of activity on the, on the Measure Studio front. So I mentioned Snapchat and Twitter support coming next quarter. And uh, we're constantly adding new features and considering ideas uh, based on you know, what our customers suggest. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, considering that literally every social platform is, has essentially pivoted to video, I think you know, having the tools that you're providing is becoming more and more essential for, for marketers and brands and anybody who's, who's, who make, does a business on, on, online as a publisher, right? So it's, it's really interesting to see how the space has evolved back to the whole thing with, you know, uh, with Twitter creating stories, right? It's like, okay, now we need to track those, those videos, those views, and how does that work compared to everything else? And I, I keep making a joke online about everything turning to stories at this point. So obviously there's going to be, you know, some correlations to compare. Yeah, absolutely. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Yeah, I encourage people to find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active there. So you can uh, connect with me. I share some updates. I post a lot about my podcast. So that's another good way to get in touch is uh, check out All Things Video. And um, you know, let, let, us, let me know if you have any suggestions for guests or questions and things you want to cover on the show. Um, other than that, if you want to learn more about Paladin, you can visit our website, paladinsoftware.com, or find us anywhere on social and Measure Studio is measure.studio for the web address. And, and again, Measure Studio everywhere on, on social media. Awesome. Yeah, um, I was about to say you're almost at 150 podcast episodes, which is a crazy number for us. Yeah, it's adding awesome. up. We've been I've been at it for a little over four years now and still love it. Uh, published a new episode last night, constantly, you know, working on new interviews. And uh, it keeps, you know, it keeps me learning. It keeps it fun and engaging for me. So love doing it. I'm going to ask you one more question, James, because you're obviously the OG of the industry. Who is one smart person in the industry? I know you know all of them, but who is an amazing person that our audience would really benefit from hearing? So who should we get on as a, a future guest? Oh, who should you guys have on the podcast? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, the first name that popped in my head and is uh, Thomas Kramer, my co-founder. He's uh, a brilliant guy who we worked together back in our ad tech days at Channel Factory, and then he ran optimization for uh, Maker Studios pre and post Disney acquisitions. So was really in the weeds on the data side there, uh, and that's why you know, building a product like Measure Studio has been pretty close to his heart. Uh, but just super knowledgeable and and uh, uh, you know plugged in to what's happening in the digital space. He's a deep thinker about it. So that's someone I'd, I'd recommend. Um, you know, a lot of other smart friends in the space. Matt Levin over at Donut Media is building a great company and creating the coolest automotive content on the internet. So, um, you know, talk to him and encourage people to check out their stuff. Um, and then, I, I, you know, I love what the guys at Licked are doing in, in the UK. So your backyard, Tom. They're, yeah, they're uh, very, very good friends of mine at Licked. Oh, cool. Yeah, Paul and, and Simon and the rest of the gang have built just an incredible solution for, uh, for commercial music licensing, which has been a huge pain point for creators on, on social platforms for a long time. Um, and I, you guys are probably going to tell me to shut up, but I've, now I'm thinking of so many. The last one I'd say is, is uh, Jesse Shimon from Paper Cup, uh, who's building like the world's coolest uh, s- synthetic voice technology to help auto-localize content. Uh, they started with uh, English to Spanish and vice versa, and now they're, they're working on German. So 
Um, love what they're building. Big fan of Jesse and uh, his team. So that would be a few suggestions for you. I'm actually speaking to those guys next week. So hey, <laughs> I, shall, I shall invite them onto the podcast quick. I time. love it. As, as also with my friends from Lit, who I can't believe I haven't invited on yet. So thank you, James. <laughs> they'll have sure a thing. lot. They'll have a lot to live up to uh, after this episode. So thank you very much, James, Mister Industry Creech. Really appreciate it. You must check out uh, all of this software and definitely make sure you go and give a subscribe to All Things Video Podcast. You may even find a really scrappy episode that he did with a couple of reprobates that you may have heard of on this <laughs> podcast as well. So, uh, yeah, go subscribe, leave him a review, and tell him that you heard about him through the Video Insiders podcast. Amazing. Thank you guys both so much, uh, Tom, Carlos, big fans of both of you and what you're doing. Love the show uh, and can't thank you enough. It's been a privilege to be here. Thanks, James. Big thank you to James for stopping by and coming to the show and uh, being our guinea pig in our first three person. uh, a YouTube industry sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I've had many discussions with James, uh, other with other companies uh, where I was working at other companies, because I can't think of another way to sort of sort of shoot shoot the shit in terms of discussing, you know, what's happening in the industry, and we're all sort of like. You know, we can geek out in this space and it's been sort of the, the, the case with everybody we bring to the show. It's sort of like people that we, we, we know we'd have like great conversations with in general, just, you know, over beers, over pints. I love having them on the show. Yeah. And I think the reason that James has been so successful in his career in the industry is not because he's so super connected and not just because he's so super knowledgeable, but he is genuinely one of the nicest people on the planet. There's no one that could ever, you know, say a bad word against him. And uh, yeah, we've had a few pints on both sides sides of the Atlantic now. So uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, James. Really great insights into the world of both influencer marketing. And uh, I'm always happy to get nosy about the uh, the glory days or the the dirty days of MCNs as well. So yeah, really yes. Awesome stuff. You can also check out um, the episode where myself and Carlos appeared on James's awesome podcast, uh, All Things Video. We'll link to that in the show notes. Um, but please do give us a re- rating and review for this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us a star on Overcast, whatever kind of podcatcher you're using. Give us some kind of street cred and uh, do share this with a friend who you think would find it useful to hear more about the YouTube and online video industry. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would also add that Spotify is starting to become a serious podcast player. So obviously, if you're listening to Spotify, subscribe to us on Spotify. That'd be great. The big thank you once again to TubeBuddy. TubeBuddy is the premier tool for managing, optimizing your YouTube content. I'm personally a big fan of the keyword suggestion tool. Sometimes I even have a hard time finding keywords and so I'll just click that tool and it analyzes my, my content and sees, you know, gives me the best keywords to use. So it's probably the best, one of the, the most used feature for me on top of the copy paste tool. Tom, we have a special offer for our audience. Yeah, you can get an exclusive Video Insiders multi-channel discount by visiting videoinsiders.fm forward slash 
TubeBuddy. Thank you, TubeBuddy, and thank you to all of our video insiders. Thanks again to James, and we'll speak to you all in a couple of weeks. Take care, keep safe. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> dun, 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 dun.